Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for finding us on your favorite podcast app. We're recording this on an all-star Sunday. You'll probably hear this a little bit closer to Monday. Make sure you also check us out during the week. In addition to those podcast apps, download-radio, search for Nothing But Net. We're there every single day at 7 p.m. Also, check out fivereasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E reasonssports.com all the ladies from brady hawk and everybody else in our network you can also find our youtube channel there we're going to go over eleven thousand subscribers this week that's where you can find clutch corner and some of our other nba nfl and mls and all the other shows that we have on the network also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network so many of our sponsors are local right here in dade and broward that includes our friends over at chase signs and graphics successful businesses and organizations require quality signs and graphics for a professional look and to entice customers that's why people are turning to Chase Signs and Graphics. They got more than 15 years of experience designing, building, and installing signs. Chase Signs and Graphics is an end-to-end solution for your signage needs, providing everything from graphic design to production to installation. They offer a variety of custom products that includes building signs, banners, vehicle graphics, lobby signs, indoor signs, monument signs, and more. Their friendly staff will schedule a site visit and have an estimate ready within 48 hours. So don't trust just anyone to your signs and graphics. Call in the experts. Chase Signs and Graphics proudly serves all of Broward County. As you know, it's a pretty big place, all the way from Deerfield down to the Pines, Miramar area. If you need professional signage to help your business organization stand out, call today at 954-257-1828, 954-257-1828. Website will be up soon. In the interim, follow at Signs Broward on Twitter. And now, today's episode. One, two, three, four, five. On the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alex Toledo and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Hopefully you had an opportunity by now to listen to an episode of Floor's Yours that the three of us, myself, Alex, and Greg, did with uh, Gad Cartagena on our YouTube channel on Thursday. We put that up on the podcast feed in addition to an episode that I did called Values Place segment that I did uh, with our guy Eric Brown, excuse me, over at fivereasonsrealtor.com. Some interesting stuff there. He tends to put me on the spot. All right, now here today, I've got Alex, Tropical Blanket. I've got Greg Sylvander. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Uh, the All-Star Game is tonight as we record this, but we want to look forward with the Heat, but we also want to kind of tell you where they are. Uh, the first part of this episode is going to be me. I had some conversations with folks inside the Heat organization. Um, when I tell you we do reporting, we actually do reporting. We don't make things up, okay? So, uh, you know, for those who don't understand that, we actually try to get to the bottom of things. It doesn't mean that everything we say could happen is going to happen. Things change. They're fluid in the NBA but I wanted to get to the bottom of kind of how the heat viewed the first half of the season, which was 18 and 18, as you know, how they view the second half of the season, how they view some of their players and how they view the possibility of getting another player in what appears to be, and I'll get into this as we go forward, a seller's market. All right. So check in Greg and Alex, everybody knows you. I'm not just talking about myself. Check, check. Let's do, <laughs> let's do <Yep>. this. <laughs> All right. Second half of this episode is yours, okay? So I'm just going to go through everything because we, we've had a text string to kind of discuss where we're going to go today. And, and I'm going to start here, okay? When you evaluate the first half of the season, 
the way that the Heat are evaluating the first half of the season without making excuses for it. There's a number that comes up, okay? And here's the number. Alex, Greg, and I were scrolling down to try to find how many minutes. We went to the NBA's official advanced stat site to find out how many minutes Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Goran Dragic have played together this season. Because, of course, going back to the finals, that was the big issue, right? You didn't have the three of them together against the Lakers. Bam got hurt. Goran got hurt. Jimmy was out there doing it by himself. So to fairly evaluate this team in the first half of the season, you have to actually look at that stat. So Greg, Alex, and I went through the first 50. They, they break this up into 50 uh, combinations, three-man combinations for the Heat in the first half of the season. And we found that this is the 65, 60, excuse me, 65th most used trio this season. 65th. 79 minutes. They're a plus 12. They've only played in 10 games together. If you extrapolate out 79 minutes over the 36 games, it comes to an average of 2.3 minutes per game. That's what the, the Heat's star trio has played together. Just for some comparison here, Avery Bradley, who's hardly played, Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson have played 87 minutes together. That's eight more than Jimmy, Bam, and Goran. Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, two-way Gabe Vincent, and Precious Achua have played 85 minutes together. Those two combinations among 62 others have played more minutes than Jimmy, Bam, and Goran. So that's number one, guys. I want to touch on that again after the break. So what does that mean in terms of how the Heat see their team? They see their team as a team that they really haven't had a chance to see in full yet until we got a little bit closer to the All-Star break. Obviously, Bam missed a game late. Jimmy came back. Goran came back after the trip. We started to see some of this together, but we still haven't seen the three of them play a ton together. Now, this doesn't mean that the Heat don't see a need to add something, okay? But I think what fans get caught up on is starting lineups and all that stuff. This is a concern about finishing the game. How many finishers does Eric Spolstra have to use, okay? We know that those three guys are potential finishers. We know that Tyler Hero is a potential finisher. They view Andre Iguodala as a finisher, who does all the right things late, but they don't want him to have to play as many minutes as he's played the first half of the season. Again, a lot of this is stuff we've talked about on five on the floor. Okay. But I just want to say this is their thinking on it. They are trying to figure out if they have other finishers on this roster. They don't view Kelly Olynyk as a finisher. In fact, just want to talk about Kelly a little bit, because we'll talk about him after the break. They are satisfied with what Kelly has provided for his contract. Okay. Heat fans may not be, they are satisfied, but they also have a realistic view of Kelly. They weren't really viewing Kelly as being a big minutes power forward this season. They were viewing Kelly ultimately as somebody who, based on how he was going, could fit in a variety of different lineups because he's versatile and could play somewhere in kind of the 15 to maybe 25 minute range, maybe a little bit more when necessary. They view him as what he is, a good third big, um, one of the top 90 bigs in the league. If you look at 30 teams, they didn't necessarily want to rely on him quite this much this season, but they don't view him as a closer. So the question they have is, and this will play into other questions. Is there somebody else on their roster who can be one of their consistent closers? Is it Duncan Robinson? Does he defend well enough? Has Kendrick Nunn proven enough? Is it potentially Avery Bradley who can guard up when he comes back? 
That's one of the things they've got to decide. And one of the other reasons it matters, in addition to deciding if they need to go out and get a player, is it plays into what they decide to pay Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson going forward because you're not going to pay for guys who can't finish games for you. So that's one of the things that they're going to be evaluating. Now, the starting four position, we talk about KO, that they didn't plan on this. They recognize they have a hole there next to Bam, okay? Um, Precious playing more minutes has sopped up some of it as at least Bam's backup, but they thought they would get good minutes from Myers. I know fans may not have thought so, but they thought they were going to get good minutes from Myers. They felt like they made a small investment in Mo Harkless to see how it went. They gave him $3.6 million. It's not when you're giving someone 3.6, the way they view it with the options that they had available, which were not a lot at that point. Okay. They base once they decided not to give Crowder the years, they basically were hoping they could get some kind of a contribution, not necessarily that they were getting a big minute starter, even though they started him in the first game. Has it worked out? They would acknowledge that it has not worked out to this point. But again, they view it as a small investment, not something that's going to break the franchise. As was put to me, it's not like paying Dion and JJ for four years. Okay. They basically made a small investment in Mo that hasn't uh, paid off. Essentially, it was a bit of a shotgun approach after Jay left trying to figure this, this situation out. They view it as Kelly, Andre, and Kendrick, and Precious have taken a lot of those minutes. Um, they, have, they have high praise for Kendrick. Um, I was told again that they've never seen a player whose role diminished that much who complained so little. Uh, they feel very good about the way that he handled the situation, the way that he's come out of it. Um, and, and I do think that they maybe they value him a little bit more than they did prior to this season, again, because he's come out on the other side. They see improvement. It's not necessarily the case, guys, that they see him as a long-term fixture, but I definitely think he's worked his way more into the plans than he was earlier this season. Um, additionally, okay, uh, and again, they feel he's been much better than last year. They would like to add depth. One reason is because they see some back-to-backs in the second half of the schedule, they're trying to reduce the minutes on Goran and Andre. They want both of those to be fresh for the postseason. I don't get the sense. First thing, um, just to shoot down something here, and we can have clutch on at some point. Anna Barai has been a proponent of the step back to step forward. We've talked about it here on the pod, particularly when the team was not playing well. I was laughed at when I proposed the idea of trading, flipping Goran Dragic for a draft pick. Uh, as it was told to me, other organizations might do that. That's not us. Okay. So again, I would be stunned if that happens, uh, that they actually take a step back, like trading someone like Goran Dragic, that is not in any way likely to happen. The Tyler hero experiment, there was a, a, a great consensus inside the organization that he had earned the role in the off season. They wanted to give him more responsibility that they wanted him to start. There is an acknowledgement now that it may have been too soon that he's better off coming off the bench and playing free and easy and Kendrick Nunn taking that role in the starting lineup. So I, at least for now, I don't anticipate that there's going to be a change. Um, now let's go out to the trade market. Okay. I've been told it's a seller's market. I want to get into one thing here related to James Harden. Cause when I asked for a correction of stuff that's been out there, this was what I was told. They want to correct the perception that like they made a decision not to trade like say a Tyler hero or a Duncan Robinson for a James Harden. Um, it, the way it was put to me was it wasn't about that. Sometimes you're just in a deal and you don't have what the other team wants. Um, I know that the report has been out there about Houston asking for the world. We've reported the same thing. I didn't get to the specifics on that, but I can tell you 
that the Heat's feeling on this was, were they involved in conversations with Houston? Of course they were. Uh, but the Rockets were looking for something closer to what they got from the Nets, which was a ton of picks and a ton of pick swaps. And there was just no way that the Heat could get there. So it never even became a conversation about whether or not you would move uh, 14 and 55 for uh, for James Harden because it, it never got that far. And, and I think sometimes, and we have to talk about this when we talk about trades, when you talk about a team being inactive, sometimes it's not that the team wants to be inactive. Sometimes it's simply that the teams that they're dealing with don't want what you have, okay? Or you don't have a way to get what they want from another team. And so I think that's to make clear. Um, I do think going, I was told that there are no stars, clear stars on the table that could be traded for at the deadline uh, at this point. Now, one name that has come up is Oladipo. And Victor Oladipo is a player who you may or may not consider a star. Uh, the feeling is that Houston is going to move him, but right now the price is too high. Uh, at some point, maybe that price comes down. Maybe now we see that today as we speak that Oladipo can be traded by himself. He doesn't have to be packaged with another player. Perhaps there could be a trade that could be made here uh, directly for him if Houston's price comes down and the Heat felt that it was in their interest to get his bird rights. But I'm told as of right now, uh, that has not happened. I do believe my sense in talking to people is that the Heat feels that it would be better to get a bigger player rather than a smaller player to be one of their finishers, particularly if Bradley is coming back and you're talking about Hero, Bradley, Nunn, Dragic, uh, you know, obviously before you even get to Jimmy and Duncan, who are mostly in a lot of ways, well, Jimmy maybe not so much, but Duncan's more of a perimeter player, uh, that essentially that they're they're bottom heavy in terms of, being smaller and it would be better to get uh, a, a four of some sort. But again, I was told at least for now, that's a seller's market. And I might chime in on some other things here right away. Uh, but one thing I, I talked about buyouts, um, the heat have done a lot of research about buyouts. Obviously they had some guys, Mike Bibby didn't work out. Joe Johnson kind of worked out until the playoffs, but they have not, uh, you know, most teams have not had success. The heat have done a lot of research about which kind of buyouts work out which kind of buyouts haven't worked out. And again, it's a very small list. Typically, when you get a buyout player, in their view, you're getting a player who you would expect to play at a veteran minimum value. Uh, they're not expecting anybody to sort of turn the world upside down. It's just someone who potentially could be one of your final seven options to be you know, your five on the floor at the end. That's what you're looking for in a buyout. And maybe somebody to kind of get you through a season to rest some of your players, think maybe a Dragic or an Iguodala, uh, so that they're fresher by then. But the Heat are not looking, if you're thinking, well, the Heat are putting all their eggs in the buyout mar market, they're looking, but they're not going to bring in somebody just for the sake of bringing it in. And here's the final point, and then after the break, uh, and one name that was mentioned to me was Markeith Morris was a player who kind of gave the Lakers the best that you could expect from a buyout player last year. Somebody who was a functional player for them in the playoffs wasn't a star. Here's the key point, and then I'm going to let you guys roll here after the break. What I was essentially told was the Heat are not going to trade someone who they believe can someday become their third guy. You can think on the roster who that might be, okay, for someone who's their seventh guy now. That's not a trend. As much as they want to push forward, they're not that far into it. And I was also told at no point this season, unlike the 16-17 season where before that 30-11 and 11 run, they were close to kind of pulling back a lot. At no point this season have they thought about going the other direction and selling off. They have considered just not pushing forward, okay? But they have not considered the idea of taking a step back. As I was told, 
That's not what we bleeping do. All right, I'm gonna we're gonna let you guys handle all of this stuff in a second. It's a lot to process, and I like I said, I'm gonna get the hell out of the way before I do. Want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and of course, that's Prize Picks. You can use the code Five. This is the new way to play daily fantasy. We can play by fantasy score or single stats. You can do multiple sport pairings. They've got everything there. Okay, tennis, soccer, highlight, whatever you want to play. They had MMA last night. You can play power play or flex play, deciding depending on how much risk you want to take. But if you use the code five, you'll get a bonus. We signed up more than 60 people last month. You see the billboards on I-95. This thing is taking over. But again, use our code. It's beneficial to you and to us. So go to prizepicks.com. And as soon as the NBA comes back this week, start playing them. In the meantime, there's a lot for you to check out. Just deposit 20 bucks. Give it a shot. You don't have to make a big investment. All right. Back here on five on the floor. I'm getting out of the way. Greg, go. So I thought it was particularly funny to uh, look up the Jimmy Bam Gorn minutes. And uh, we started that exercise before this episode. And we're scrolling, 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 scrolling. And you can't find them. Um, And that was the entire point. Uh, I found that really interesting. Just right off the top that. Um, it's something that it's, it's easy, I think, for a bystander such as, you know, myself or, or any of the fan base, like to keep that perspective that Goran, Bam and Jimmy have not been out there together. Uh, so that was like a big takeaway that I guess it's easy to, um, for me personally, to forget that, that that trio that they relied upon and that, that you really, it makes this team go at this point just hasn't been there. Um, an, another huge takeaway, um, and then I want to let Alex jump in here, is that I kind of feel like there there needs to be a conversation related to the Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr. replacements, um, and uh, and I think we need to kind of unpack what that looks like for the team now because as much as they're relying on Ko, as much as they're relying on Iggy, as much as Mo Harkless was not a a big investment. I do think that, uh, you know, when you look at Crowder and DJJ's roles and what has replaced those roles, that was definitely a big miss this off season. Honestly, it was interesting listening to everything that you said there, Ethan, because it feels like, and I'm not trying to, you know, gas us up here, but it feels like the team is pretty much agreeing with what a lot of us have said and what a lot of the fan base has said. And, you know, maybe not to the extent that, that it got to, um, after those couple of bad losses versus the Clippers and the Warriors, where everybody was just kind of like, you know, do whatever it takes, trade everything, et cetera, et cetera. It does feel like the team is kind of on the same page with the fans. Like from everything you said, it does sound like they also feel like they need a four. It sounds like they also feel confident in the team when they're healthy. And specifically what you guys are talking about, Jimmy Bam and Goran being healthy, which we all know is just the best version of themselves when all three of those guys are playing together. That's what transpired in the bubble. Goron was your third all-star and that was kind of their secret trick in the hat other than uh, bringing out the switching defenses and Crowder as a starter. And all of this stuff relates together because it, it goes into the conversation of can you replicate, replicate what you did in the bubble this year? And I think that was kind of questionable when Goron was in and out of the lineup that, you know, after a short turnaround that he will be able to still play at the level that, he was in the bubble and I think he's looked great. I think he's probably 80%, 90% of the way there already. And still we got to wait a couple of more months to see how he's going to look in the playoffs. And the same goes for Andre Iguodala. But I think 
it's a good point to make because if you feel good about them three, you feel good about the team. And really what you're thinking, what you're talking about then is just adding in a couple of more rotation pieces to really solidify everything. Like we all know at the four. And I just think like, I, I'm really encouraged that they're also looking in the, in the same place because they also seem to, you know, think that Olenek and Iguodala are just good players who maybe you shouldn't rely on, you know, as much as they do already. You make the point. I want to just jump in on on a couple of things that you said here. You mentioned try to replicate what they did in the bubble, and that's also something that we discussed. You know, I without making excuses, it's kind of what I've said all along. It's not necessarily that they were flukes in the bubble, but they do acknowledge that they took advantage of the circumstances in the bubble. That the, the circumstances of the bubble, a close knit team, well run organization, it played to their favor. And the point that was made to me is again not to make an excuse here, but everything that happened in the off season didn't play to their favor. They feel they're better with more time to prepare because of the way that they've set up their program here for the last 25 years. They didn't have the time to prepare. Um, they had less time than any other team than the Lakers. It was pointed out to me that Boston and Denver haven't played as up to expectations this year either. And those are two teams that got to the conference finals, right? So, you know, and again, you've seen the Lakers deal with some injuries, but the Lakers also got reinforcements in the off season, Boston, Denver, and Miami did not really. Right. It's a good point. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that, that what they kind of see here is that all of these teams that have kind of played longer in the bubble struggle. And also again, the heat are a very regimented system. A lot of other teams are more fly by night. Okay. And so for them, some of the stuff like Ira and I discussed this on onside, the decision that was made, for instance, not to have the regular G league team. Okay. was basically to a certain degree made because it just, they didn't feel it was worth it. You know, not that they don't feel the G league is worth it. Cause obviously they do. They've, they've used it better than any other team in the league, but they also, they wanted to put their energies into at least trying to get what they do uh, up to its usual par. And, and it just was difficult to do it. And so again, it's not an, ex but then it was said to me and then, you know, here, and then all of a sudden you get hit with the COVID thing, you get hit with the injuries and we just got set back. So again, I, you can say these are reasons you can say they're excuses. I think a lot of them are valid. Um, but it also, there's an acknowledgement that a couple of things in the off season have not worked out all that well. And, you know, Mo is one, but again, they feel that it was mitigated. I, I want to go uh, and then let you guys jump in on this, you know, again, on one of the other points, um, if uh, the, the Olenek uh, thing at the four, you know, again, we've talked a lot about one of the reasons we call this podcast five on the floor is because I always say that at the end of every, every, every end of every game, who's the five on the floor. Do you guys think, because this is what they're weighing. If they have five, you know, seven potential closers on this team, we've talked about how the clutch minutes have been a problem, particularly without Jimmy. Do you guys feel they have enough to close with as they currently stand? And do you think, both of you that whether Duncan and Kendrick can become one of those seven on a consistent basis should play into what they decide to pay them and whether or not they decide instead that they're trade chips. I'm glad you went here. This is exactly um, what jumped off the page. I was taking notes as you, as you kind of uh, transcribed everything at the, at the open here and, and the emphasis on closing, I thought was really um, an interesting uh, perspective because when you think about, not only the roster as it stands now, because I think like, yes, in a nutshell, they do have enough closers in that they have five guys that they trust. Um, it's just with all of the extenuating circumstances surrounding this season, I think it's it's not the year to um, 
you don't trade depth in the COVID year, Ethan. No, um, uh, more, more, I'm joking there, but it's more about that. Like you can't necessarily, um, get into a spot where you, uh, are short on guys you can rely upon. And like, you look forward to this off season and Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson are both going to, going to be players that are up for paydays of some sort. And when you think about them closing, like, I don't know that I trust neither either of them to be primary players that you depend night in and night out as closers. I don't know, Alex, do you disagree? Do, do either of those guys right now to you, would you be comfortable saying, okay, that is one of my five closing players night in and night out? Cause I'm not there. Yeah. I'm pretty much there with you. Like I think like Ethan said before, they have about seven guys who you can probably throw in as people who you can see in the closing lineup. And I, I pretty much feel the same way about uh, Duncan and and none. Like, I feel like they're good players. They've obviously given a lot to the team. They're important to the core. Um, you already know my feelings. I still lean Duncan over none, but that that's besides the point here, because at the end of the day, and there you go, Ethan, um, I don't really rely on either one. Like, I don't, I'm not really looking at either one of them. Like, these are the guys I got to rely on in the fourth quarter. I'm looking at Goran or, or Hero as the likely guard over Kendrick. And then that also kind of has to do with Duncan too, because if one or two of those guys are playing, that make, it makes it a lot harder for Duncan to also play in those closing minutes. And again, like that has to factor into how you pay these guys. Yeah. But I'm not saying that they can't get there. I'm not saying. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That Duncan or Kendrick won't be there sooner than later because I'm not sure. I just think up to this point, they haven't solidified themselves into that five on the floor yet you know what like that's it, it actually has risen to if you talk about things that i will like the tertiary things i'll be watching in the second half of the season it's kendrick and in late game situations because i just think about like are you really going to offer up four-year deals to either of those guys because i think it's going to take a long-term contract whether that's a three or four-year guaranteed contract for a player that you're not sure you can play late in games because I mean, I think we saw in the run last year that both guys were kind of hot and cold late games and they didn't necessarily rely on either. And I just, I, I start to get a little, when you're talking about building a roster that Jimmy and Bam can win with now, they're totally great complementary players, but do you lock yourself into them long-term? And I just think that that's a question that uh, it's going to um, trail this team through the end of this season. I, I think that both of them, are better long-term options than what the Heat locked up in 2017, right? Like they're both better long-term options than say James Johnson and Dion Waiters. I, I believe that. I know that there are some Dion supporters out there, but where is Dion now, right? Like I, I feel like both of, none has proven to them what Dion did not, okay? That he can overcome adversity and, and still be a productive player because they gave him opportunities. They gave Dion opportunities. Okay. Now none, they may not have given a lot more opportunities, but when there was an opportunity, he took it. So I think they feel better about him 
And, but again, I think they're reluctant to repeat past mistakes. Duncan Robinson has a more elite skill set than James Johnson does. Okay. So it makes more sense to pay him, but at the same time, and, and after the break, I want to get into the next part of this. It does feel to me guys, like it's going to be ultimately be an either or, um, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be an either or because I think they're waiting to see which of these guys kind of grabs it. And they're different types of players. One of them obviously is a gravity player, a stretch player. The other player has more of a mid range game, more of an attack game. In addition to it, um, I think Kendrick's improvements on defense uh, may put him a little bit more there. But again, as Alex says, Duncan's skill set is more unique and elite than any of none skills. Okay. But it is starting to feel to me and it has felt to me, not even just talking to the heat, but talking to people around the heat that it's going to be an either or proposition. And I think no matter who they bring in, as long as they don't trade either of them, I think that's going to be something to watch. All right. I got something else. I'm going to tee you off with again, with the stuff that I talked about in the open before we do, I want to tell you about bestever.com. It's BST evr.com bstevr.com this is like the coolest new sports simulation they've got the nfl up there they're going to have the nba up there but just tinker with the nfl this won't cost you nothing just sign up give them your email address you can play around on there you can basically experiment with anything you want to play past teams in the nfl against current teams you can do that you want to switch players from certain teams to see how it would have played out you could do that you can also as the nfl offseason is, is obviously in swing now we're going to have free agency in the draft you can put players from different teams the free agents that teams pick up and see how they would have performed last year if they'd had that particular player. So if, if you got like 20 minutes to kill, just play around with it. We do some videos with this on the site as well. It's bstevr.com. That's one of our new partners, bstevr.com. We jumped on with them early because we're, we're going to do a ton of stuff with the NBA. It's going to be integrated here in our platform. So make sure that you check that out. All right, let's get to the next part of this guys, um, which is the going forward piece. As I mentioned, they're not going back. Okay. They're not trading Dragic for a protected pick. So that's not happening. Okay. Surprise. Um, <laughs> surprise. Stunner, right? No <laughs> way. <their> history. <laughs> that that's not happening. Okay. And again, there is some questions inside the organization. Cause when I said to somebody, how do you evaluate that? You know, this team, you know, uh, you know, when Jimmy's been in and out, they're like, when you're looking at trades, I'm like, well, we'll try sitting in our chairs. Okay. Cause we can't do it. They can't do it. Okay. They've had difficulty doing it, but they get, they've gotten a better idea. At least I think they felt good about the fact that they got to see the team with Jimmy for the two weeks before the break. Cause it provided a little bit more clarity. I also think that Jimmy Butler, and this should be said is better than they ever thought he would be. Okay. When they signed him to a max, like we always talk about, they didn't expect Bam to be this. They didn't expect Jimmy to be this. Okay. Triple double every night, Jimmy, carry you on your back, Jimmy. They were paying a max contract for a very, very good two way player who they thought they could unlock more of his skill set. But I don't even think it got here. And I think that's made it even harder to evaluate the rest of the team without him because the rest of the team has become so dependent on playing with him because of everything that he offers. With that being said, seller's market. They won't trade somebody they think who might be their third best player. Think of maybe, I don't know, 14, right? Maybe hero, potentially, for somebody who might be their seventh best player. So in that context, what do you think they can do, Greg? It's an interesting question. I mean, I've kind of, as the season has progressed, evolved um, my thinking that they're going to have to likely do a move around the edges, like similar to, and I mean, I guess we say it's an around the edges move, but it was actually a huge trade. The Jay Iggy 
um, Solomon Hill type deal. Like, I feel like that's the type of package that they're going to look for. Uh, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned that they like Oladipo because we've heard conflicting things, um, even in our own, uh, you know, digging around and asking about how the franchise views Victor Oladipo. So I think that that's really an interesting thing to watch now that he can be aggregated. There's other players on that roster that I think could potentially help Miami. So that's one that I'll be watching. Um, But I also think that uh, the acknowledgement that there is a hole at the four and that Kelly is really better off the bench means that there's going to be um, additional, uh, you know, looks ahead at, at what can fill that position. I think the trade exception is a particularly interesting tool that could be utilized. And then the, um, the, the, the last thing that I'll just mention as it relates to trades is um, with Myers Leonard Hurt, and this disabled player exception, as I understand it, and please correct me if either of you have heard differently, if they trade him, that disabled player exception goes away. And it'll be interesting to see their, how they kind of weigh moving a non-functional contract at this point for a piece that can help, or if they would rather preserve that, I think it's 4.5 or $5.4 million um, dollar exception to maybe get a guy who gets bought out. Yeah, Alex, before you jump in, I, I do want to clarify something I said earlier because, Greg, you did a good job of that. It's not that oh, you're, you're correct. Oladipo can be aggregated now. He doesn't have to be traded alone. So, right. So that's that's the difference. I think I, I stated that incorrectly before. Correct. Anyway, Alex, jump in. I mean, the Oladipo thing is definitely something, you know, I'm interested in. And, you know, I'm definitely encouraged by them being in on him just because you already know I'm a fan of that idea. And still think it probably wouldn't cost too much. But obviously, I know that you said something about the cost still being questionable. I trust their evaluation of that, uh, given the circumstances with Oladipo over the past couple of years. I know it's not exactly, you know, the easiest star trade out there, the, the, the easiest scenario to put out there for a team like this. You know, that's that, that's a big type of decision. But everything else you guys are talking about, it's like the four thing has been has been talked about a lot. I think that's something that everybody can point to. And it's an obvious thing. And I think we're all kind of expecting more or less like some type of deal to bolster the the, the front court rotation there. But outside of that, um, Ethan, I'm, I'm curious. I want to ask you a question here. Did mm-hmm. you get any sort of idea about how they feel about the team as basically like a two-way contender? Anything anything on, on, on how they feel about the offensive struggles, about their defensive uh, performance as of late being so good? Because to me, that's that's kind of indicative on what's going to happen in the, over the next few months and, and in the three in You know what's interesting about that, Alex? I, Alex, I don't think that they break it down as granular as we do there. I, I, I think they look at it like this. And I'm Maybe sure the Jimmy Bam Goron stuff has to do with the offense. I'm sure they absolutely feel like a lot of that stuff is, is back to that right. earlier point about them well, three. I, I, I don't think they're looking like we need this to improve the offense or we need this to improve the defense. I, I think they look at it like, we feel we can compete if we have our best players on the floor. Okay. Like any team, they feel they can compete. They just did it. Okay. So they believe they can do it. They do acknowledge that they need another piece for Eric to play with late. Okay. I I don't think they're looking at it as we need an offensive piece or we need a defensive piece. I think they're looking at it more. We need a guy we can play. Okay. And trust down the stretch of games. They trust Andre implicitly. Okay. Now, they acknowledge that the number that they gave him, the money was a lot. Um, but they also think that in some ways he's lived up to it this year. And, and, and in some ways, so is Kelly. Now, I, again, the other point that was made to me is that when you don't have Jimmy, 
and we've talked about this. I do feel like a lot of what I learned is a lot of what we've discussed. Okay. But like when you don't have Jimmy, what it does, when you don't have your best players, it forces other guys to do things that they're not as comfortable doing. And so here's one example that was mentioned to me. We've talked about Tyler, right? Having to do more ball handling. And they basically decided, okay, better off the bench, but Kelly's a good example. Like Kelly gets himself in trouble when he tries to do too much. Okay. And if you look at some of the circumstances when he hasn't been out there with Jimmy or whatever, and sort of the over dribbling and the turnovers and the mistakes and the bad, you know, the screens, the offensive fouls on screens, and then also not being able to find his spots as a shooter, that some of this again is a result of, and we've seen it so many times with heat teams, you take the best, you took Dwayne out of the lineup. They look different during those years because you're asking guys who are usually asked to do one or two things. Well, They've got to try to do everything well. You don't want Duncan dribbling a lot. You don't want Kelly having to play make too much. Okay. Like, and I feel like, and you don't want hero overthinking, right? I feel like one of the things, and I actually put this to somebody I spoke to, I feel one of the reasons Kendrick Nunn has thrived is because even though he had some issues last year, like when he's playing, like he puts his head down and goes, okay. And they really haven't asked him. The only thing that happens when Jimmy's out for Kendrick is he gets more opportunities. And we, we know he's better playing with Jimmy, but I feel like he's benefited enough for those opportunities. So Alex, I don't think they're looking at it like we need to add another point of attack defender or we need to add another rebounder. I think they need to add another guy that Eric will trust to play at the end of games so that it doesn't always have to be Andre soaking up so many minutes. And I also don't think necessarily they're in a hurry to take Kelly out of the starting lineup, even though they say, you know, typically he'd be your backup big. I just think they don't want to be, rely on Kelly for so many minutes and, you know, on the nights that are not going well. And particularly, they don't really view Kelly as, as, a, as a closing player. And, and, I, and I don't think that's a mystery. I mean, just look at the numbers over the past four years. It's not something he's traditionally done. It's, it's important that you, you noted earlier that it's a seller's market because I think this, that all relates to what we're talking about here. And I, I thought that that was actually one of the most interesting or at least surprising things you said from everything that you talked about earlier. Cause I wasn't, you know, we talked about in, in other podcasts that there's so many teams that feel like they're in the thick of things, whether it's teams that uh, think of themselves as contenders or teams that think of themselves as playoff teams who haven't made the playoffs in years. And we kind of thought maybe that lends into a buyer's market where there just aren't enough options, but you're saying it's the, it's the opposite here, or at least that's, that's what you heard. And I think that's interesting and absolutely a positive development for the heat, but also a little bit worrisome because if it is a seller's market, like I still do believe that a lot of other contenders are going to be trying to add pieces. So it kind of puts the onus on the heat to make that move here. And I agree with everything you're saying. I think they, they they don't need to add a, a piece based on one specific thing they're missing, but the piece does need to be, I think, around the, the, the type of uh, level of trade, like Greg said, that they made last year with Andre and Jay and Solomon Hill, where they're just bringing in guys like that who can bolster them as a two-way group. Yeah. I mean, um, a, a couple of things. One, uh, you know, when you talk about Jimmy being better than he, than anyone could have ever anticipated or expected. So true, that, by the way. And, and he's just, um, you know, been unbelievable particularly lately it's just been unbelievable to watch like the triple double stuff i i I don't think uh got it in him whenever he wants yeah no it it really is like it's i don't know that we've seen anybody besides six come here and so effortlessly get close to triple doubles like jimmy has lately 
And there's a part of me that thinks it's re- it's really fascinating to think about how Pat handles that, how Pat internalizes having a really, truly great player that we actually just saw it anyway. But now, I mean, you're seeing an extension of it, of a guy who can take over an NBA finals. And like, yeah, LeBron was on the other side. So that's always going to be a difficult thing. But maybe LeBron won't be on the other side in the next matchup. Or I don't know how it'll shake out. But just to have a guy at that level that can compete at that level, I think that's got to tug at Pat's heartstrings in terms of like, getting him what he needs to to compete immediately so I, I that was another interesting nugget that just jumped out at me that i think we should circle back to we should but i, I want to be clear on something because I, I understand i do think they feel an obligation to jimmy no question but my understanding again has has been that jimmy has not been pushing to unload guys on this team in fact it's actually been the opposite okay for the most part there are guys that the heat fan base is tired of that Jimmy is not tired of. Okay. That's my understanding. And so, and the other thing I think to consider here is Pat may be looking at, you know, uh, you know, trying to win on Jimmy's timetable, but I've talked a lot about how Jimmy's career minutes are not what people think there's, he had so many seasons that he played 65 games or fewer that he literally, I mean, he's played to this point of his career, basically including the playoffs, half the minutes that LeBron had played to this point of his career. I I just, I think it gets completely overstated, but also remember Pat went deep into the playoffs and to finals with guys in their thirties. Okay. Whether it was a, um, you know, magic was kind of getting to that point when, when he left uh, Kareem Ewing Oakley. Okay. He is accustomed to, to playing guys, uh, aged guys. He won a championship. Yes. With Dwayne young Dwayne is his best player, but with a bunch of guys in their thirties. Okay. Peyton, I think Walker was just sort of on the edge of that. Uh, you know, obviously Shaq, uh, you know, th- there, th- that was an older team. Okay. That was a veteran team for the most part. Jay will was even not in his first incarnation. So I don't, I don't know that Pat looks at the number like everybody does and freaks out. And I also don't think t- Pat's afraid of the quote, quote, Tibbs minutes, because I think he knows that like overall, like Jimmy has not had a ton of deep playoff runs, like not, not, I mean, he's had a few, but, but not like LeBron has had. So I think that's a little bit of a different deal. All right, I got one more thing I want to get to with you guys. Uh, and then we'll close this. I, I do think we've covered a lot here. Um, that's going to tee off some future episodes, but before we do, if you've been hurt in a car accident or a slip and fall, just about anything else. Call the law offices of Seltzer Mayberg. That's at 855-5000-LAW, 855-5000-LAW, based right there in North Miami. You can also check out the website at onecalllegal.com, O-N-E, calllegal.com. They do every kind of law there. Um, but this one, you know, definitely car accident. They helped me with some traffic tickets. They got a couple traffic tickets uh, thrown out. They really have like a family atmosphere down there. They've been great to us. They've been one of our original sponsors. We always ask you to reach out to our sponsors because that helps keep us going. We don't have to put you behind paywalls. We don't have to do Patreon. We can just basically provide content. So mention five reasons to get a free consultation. That's mention five reasons, free consultation on anything. They'll make sure you work directly with the right attorney to get you the compensation that you deserve. Again, check out uh, everybody down there, David, Eric, Mendy, Cassandra, um, Joe, great people, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, really, really big uh, fans and friends of the network. So check them out, onecalllegal.com, 855-5000-LAW. All right, before I close um, this thing, is there anything else that I said that you want to question me on? And then we'll kind of put a bow on this one. No, I think I'm good here. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I just feel like there's so much that you've uh, had the opportunity to kind of discuss and that we're going to unpack it on future episodes. So, I mean, the, the biggest thing I guess is like, did you sense um, any level of um, kind of like a bleep moment that they didn't get a Jay Crowder replacement? Like I, I keep circling back to this off season because we talked about why they made the Justice Winslow move and creating the immediate flexibility in 2020. And that uh, there was some time, time sensitive flexibility surrounding that move, particularly and the extension with Iguodala, just looking at that and then not bringing in a, a replacement. I'm just interested to hear if you uh, felt like they um, are regretting some of the decision-making. I, I don't get that sense. I mean, we've talked about, I mean, Adam reported, this didn't come from my reporting, but Adam's reported that they were very much in on Marcus Morris and and thought that they had him. Um, you know, that obviously would have solved a lot of these problems. Um, I, I don't really get the sense that there's a lot of sort of, I would call it, I guess, sellers or non-signers remorse with Jay. I, I just, they had a plan. They were, they were trying to create the most possible flexibility that they could. We obviously know that the 2021 class, we talked to Bobby Marks about it, has gone from being an elite class, an all-time elite class, to being kind of an eh class, kind of similar to 2020. But, you know, look, I, I think they wanted to make sure they could get in the room and they still felt like they had flexibility going forward to do some things. You know, they decided to split the mid-level the, the mid between Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless. They gave the preponderance of it to Avery Bradley. If Avery Bradley worked out, uh, and again, a lot of that is not because he's a bad player suddenly or an unplayable player. It's because he just hasn't been available. If Avery Bradley had worked out, I don't think we would be talking quite as much about Mo Harkless. Not, not because they wouldn't still need a, a four, but because Avery would be sopping up some of those minutes, maybe they would play smaller. Maybe they play Jimmy more at four. I mean, they had other options to get, you know, and Avery might be closing some games. And so he, because he was starting to do some of that. So I, I think it's the combination of them getting nothing out of that. Um, I don't know necessarily that they have remorse over the Myers signing. I mean, he got hurt, but I think they saw a role for him. It was mentioned to me, we don't have Myers, so we need another big. So they were counting on Myers playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't this idea that the fans have. I know, Greg, you have an issue with, with the signing too, but this idea that the fans had that it was just giving Myers you know, money because he was a good soldier and, and you know, he, he pumped up the guy. I don't think that was the view on it. I think they thought he was a playable big who was, again, a good culture fit who could be traded if they needed to. So I, I don't sense a lot of, um, I don't know, a, a lot of regret there. I just think they had hoped that, you know, they would get more out of a couple of different guys that they haven't gotten it out of, particularly the two guys they signed for the mid-level. Do you dispute any of that, Alex? Is any of that? No, I mean, to me, like we already know, like, like you said, with Adam's reporting that, that they were really going after Marcus Morris there. And I don't know, he would have fixed everything, but it, again, it, it goes back to the thinking that they're also on the same pages as there. So I feel good about that part. Um, I'm pretty encouraged by the idea that it's a seller's market because I was a little bit worried about that. I am still worried about, you know, the the scenario where the Heat don't make a trade. And I'm not trying to just turn this into just a trade talk, but I, I am worried about that scenario because I, I don't think they have enough to get back to where they were last season without one. And, I'm you know, not that a trade for a Rudy Gay or a Thad Young puts you over the top. I just don't think they have enough to compete with some of the, you know, the two or three best elite teams in the East if they don't have, I think if you're relying on Andre Iguodala and Kelly Olenek for a lot more than they should be relied upon, that they're going to get in trouble. And that's no. kind of why I feel a little bit encouraged by everything that's been talked about here. And just in general, 
their confidence with the team's, you know, three best players. I love the idea that they'd never even considered trading Goran. Uh, shout out to Adam for that terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel good. I feel a lot better about them than I did two weeks ago. So um, I, I do too, uh, in the sense that the reason I was encouraged by the conversation that I'll close here, and it wasn't just one conversation, it was multiple conversations um, with multiple people. But the reason that I was encouraged by it is that a, they're not blind to it. Okay. So this fan idea that they're blind to the fact that they may need reinforcements or that they're not trying to make a move. We told you in our audience that they were open and they were calling and they were checking things out and there just wasn't a fit yet. And, and I think it being kind of misstated more clearly to me that the key point here is we're not going to trade somebody we think can long-term be our third best player for somebody who might be our seventh best player. Now, I think puts it, when you look at trades now, when our, our listeners look at trades now, they should look at it through that context, okay? That the Heat are not willing to trade. And again, if, if you consider it to be hero, a Tyler hero for somebody who may plug into the back of Spolstra's closing rotation now, okay? Plus another piece that would obviously have to fill the hero piece, right? So you would actually need two. Um, that they 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 don't view it that way. But it but uh, the other thing I was encouraged about is as much as they want to see their team with Jimmy healthy, they feel they've seen it. They want to see their big three healthy. And whatever you think of a 35 year old point guard being part of their big three, as Greg stated quite eloquently, he was in the, when it mattered last year. And so they, they want to see it with Goron. And and they didn't give Goron 18 million dollars because you know to be friendly they gave it to him because they thought he could be an 18 million dollar player for him them this year and they still believe that but obviously they recognize that this reliance on some of their players to do things that they're not accustomed to doing the fact that when they do lose a jimmy or somebody else that they struggle so much but it was said to me this way okay and it, the lakers were pointed out to me some other teams around the league when you don't have your best players you're not very good okay and the heat have been without their best player for a large chunk of this season. And I, I just think if, if you want to, we can forget the rest of the stuff and everything else. If you want to give one reason why this team had to fight to get back to 500, it's pretty clear. They didn't have enough Jimmy Butler. Okay. It doesn't excuse the games they lost with Jimmy. doesn't excuse blowing leads to teams and particularly like, you know, that Warriors game. It doesn't excuse it, but if they'd had more Jimmy Butler, they would have more wins. And their hope is that they'll have more Jimmy Butler in the second half. All right. Thanks to Greg. Thanks to Alex for doing this with me. Um, we will then try to pick this apart and try to find something we can get to over the next couple of days. We may bring in some national experts as well to evaluate the team from the outside. Again, check out our sponsors. As Greg mentioned, I got a bunch of them on here this time. Prizepicks.com. Use the code five chase signs. Uh, make sure you, ch you follow uh, signs Broward on Twitter, bestever.com, B-S-T-E-V-R.com. That one's free. And then onecalllegal.com for the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.